0: Love talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Ray Penny with New Jersey School Board Association. Welcome to Conversations on New Jersey Education. It's a program designed to talk about the educational issues of the of the state, uh, geared towards school board members and the school administrators. Uh, tonight's a, a special edition. We will be discussing um, the role of the new newly elected school board member. We call it the three R's for newly elected school board members. With me. Um, and I'll introduce them in a little bit, are two uh, field service representatives with New Jersey School Board Association. Before I do that, though, if you want to participate in the program, uh, you can log in uh, to uh, Blog Talk Radio, and there's a chat room feature, and you can just register with Blog Talk Radio. There's no fee to that. And uh, you can go into the chat room and then ask, type in a question. If you want to dial in, you can call 1516 five three one nine five five seven one five one six five three one nine five five seven and if you have a question you just press the number one and Robin who's monitoring the switchboard will uh, uh get a conversation with you just to find out uh what uh your name is and county and uh, what your topic is so all you have to do is call one five one six five three one nine five five seven and Robin will uh, get your name, and we'll get your question. You can, We'll unmute you. So with me, as I said before, are two uh, seasoned uh, field service representatives who've been around uh, less than I have in terms of time at the New Jersey School Board Association, but they have a wealth of knowledge. They cover different areas of state. I have Terry Lewis and Gwen Thor- Thornton. Terry, I'll have you introduce yourself first. Tell us what counties you are and how long you've been at the association.
1: Sure. Thanks, Ray. Uh, my name is Terry Lewis. I've been a field service rep with New Jersey school boards for, I'm entering my 15th year. Um, I cover Salem County, Gloucester County, and about two-thirds of Camden County that I share with uh, another field service rep. Prior to that, um, I was a school board member for 10 years and a good portion of those years as board president.
0: Okay, Gwen?
2: Yes. Well, good evening. Thank you, Ray. Hi, Terry. Um, I'm Gwen Thornton. I'm a field service rep as well. I'm starting my 21st year with the association. And prior to that, I was a board member for 10 years. um, And for five of those, I was board president. I currently serve Somerset and Hunterton counties. um, And it's a pleasure to to be on this call with all of you.
0: Okay. It's my pleasure to have both of you. And I know both of your work and uh, it's Excellent. So um, and I think the role of board member, I hope you agree, is uh, if you're newly elected, I want to congratulate you on your uh, victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a little uh, – the role of school board member is a little bit different. We'll get into that later on. But uh, Gwen, I'll start with you. Um, one of the first things they have to do is a criminal background check. So uh, this is some of the couple of, first couple of things we'll talk about are perfunctory things. So could you uh, explain right. what they have to do?
2: Sure they should have received a call if they haven't they themselves should reach out to their business administrator board secretary um, to make an appointment to have a background check and to be fingerprinted that has to be completed before reorganization in january and so while it does seem that it's early in december to be thinking about it because there are so many new board members across the state you want to make sure that you have that done Um, sooner rather than later. So if you haven't made an appointment, please reach out to your BA as soon as possible and get that set up because absent that approval, um, you will not be able to be sworn in on the evening of reorganization.
0: Okay. Uh, What are any other... uh, Terry, what are some other perfunctory things that they may have to deal with uh, up to the reorganization meeting?
1: Well, in addition to the... um, the criminal background check, um, after you're sworn in, I, you know, you have to deal with the financial disclosure forms. I think you should be ready for those. Um, they have to be completed. I think within the first 60 days, is that right, Gwen? Yes. Yeah. The and first there, 60 days then of, after yep. by April 30th, every year. Um, And a financial disclosure form, basically, um, it just lets people know where your sources of income come from. You don't have to list uh, what your income is, just the sources. And also any conflicts that you might have um, in regard to serving as a board member. For example, do you have a relative that works at, at the school district? And those are the types of things that they'll ask you on that disclosure form. You do have to take an oath of office. Uh, Did you want to go back to that, Ray? No, no,
0: no. You continue with the the oath of office.
1: Okay. Yeah, you do have to take an oath of office. Um, It's generally administered at REORG. If, um, like Gwen said, you can't be installed as a board member until your approval comes back on the criminal background check. So if it is not back uh, by the REORG meeting and you have to take the oath later, you can do that.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say that... uh, with the uh conflicts we'll talk about that a little bit later because uh, that's an important thing that people should know about board members um from my perspective one of the most important things if you want to be an effective board member and i think people who run for the board no one runs to say they want to be an ineffective board member they all want to be effective and get things done is um the importance of relationships and there's a lot of relationships they have to have relationships with the there are uh, colleagues on the fellow board members, the board president, the superintendent, even the business administrator. Um, so, uh, Gwen, I'll go to you first on this one. What's the relationship between a board member and uh, uh, the superintendent?
2: Well, that is probably the most important relationship that a board member can form and have. Um, and so you want to understand that as a board of education, the district – from your perspective as a board, you have only one employee and that's the superintendent. The superintendent holds all other staff accountable, but you as a full board hold the superintendent accountable. So getting to know your superintendent, having an opportunity um, to talk to him or her um, about what the district goals currently are um, and, and developing a collaborative working relationship is critically important because they are responsible as the superintendent for the day-to-day operation of the district. The Board of Education is responsible for developing policy, for ensuring that the district is well run, but you do not run the district on a day-to-day basis. So your superintendent is really your CEO and responsible for all of the operations of the district um, for ensuring that there's curriculum and an instructional program um, that teachers have high expectations and that they're annually evaluated, that the buses are running, um, that the food service is going. All pieces of the district really are the responsibility of the superintendent. The board's responsible for determining where you would like to see the district go. And you do that through the development of district goals, either pulled from a strategic plan if your district's fortunate enough to have one, or through the board's collaborative setting of those goals. Now you're coming on to the board sort of mid-year, um, so those goals are already in place for the 22-23 school year, but you need to know what those goals are. Um, one of the most important things I think that you can do in this period between the election and being sworn in is if you haven't been actively involved or fully involved in terms of attending board meetings perhaps is to take the time to go to your district's website, look at board meetings if they've been taped, um, read some of the minutes from the past year so that you know where the district is today so that you will be more fully prepared when you take your seat in January um, to fully participate in where doing the district business with the board. Additionally, okay, you
0: you're... Oh, boy. Oh, go ahead.
2: No, no, you go oh, ahead. No, I can pause. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you covered you know, we a lot.
0: But, Terry, is there anything else that you would uh, add to that? I mean, what, in terms of building the relationship with the superintendent, because I think Gwen's right. That's a well, your other board members are important too. So, but that is a key. So, any suggestions from you?
1: Yeah, so I, I want to talk about the relationship, I guess, with the other board members, because Gwen really covered the relationship with the superintendent. Um, which is extremely important because as she said, they are the CEO of the district. Um, I always like to look at board members as kind of like a board of directors because that's really how they function. If you're a single board member and you try to get anything done on your own, we can tell you right now based on experience you're going to fail because it is a majority um, it's a majority or a consensus, um, operation. So uh, Jesse, one of our uh, fellow FSRs, likes to always say, and I always give him credit for this, you know, being on a board is a team sport. So you don't have to like your other team members, but you surely have to be willing to work with them. You know, on a nine-member board, it takes a consensus or it takes a majority of five people to get anything enacted. So as a new board member, if you come on and you have a specific agenda, which is okay. I mean, I think, you know, as speaking on my behalf, I had an agenda as a board member. If there are things that you want to get done, then you need to develop a relationship with those other board members so that you can then, you know, compare your ideas, compare your common goals, and figure out the best way to move those forward.
0: All right. So Any suggestions on how to build that relationship? I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, obviously, with your colleagues, and then we'll get into the superintendent a little bit more. Uh, any suggestions? Uh, Gwen, I'll go to you first, and then, Terry, you can follow up.
2: Well, certainly. Um, most board members will be happy to share with you um, their experiences and their, and their knowledge. Um, certainly reaching out to your board president if you don't know him or her at this point in time to introduce yourself. Um, many districts also offer onboarding for new board members and that those opportunities really you should make sure that you take advantage of because it will help you to begin developing those relationships with your colleagues. Um, to Terry's point, um, you know the most important number if you're on a nine-member board is five because if you want to make change you have to have four colleagues agree with you that that change is valuable. So, you know, you need to reach out, and and oftentimes board members are delighted to share their experiences and their information with you, what they've learned, what they know. Um, They have that experience and that institutional memory that will be very helpful for you. Um, and oftentimes going to an onboarding session with the superintendent, the business administrator, the board president will help you to begin to understand where the district is currently in terms of student achievement, um, whether you know, your enrollment is going up, going down, whatever the current issues are and concerns in the district, it's your opportunity to hear about those firsthand and also to ask questions. And certainly one of the things we would always encourage new board members to do is to listen carefully. Um, while asking questions is perfectly appropriate, you also want to listen as well because you will learn a lot from talking but also from listening um, and hearing um, what other board members have to say um, and learning from them is critically important. Um, it is a job based on relationships, so developing those relationships, whether it's with your fellow board members, the business administrator, particularly the superintendent, is critically important if you want to be successful as a board member and to make change. There's nothing wrong with change. Um, having both experienced and new board members is often a real benefit because new board members will see it with different eyes and with a different perspective, um, and so. Um, you want to take advantage of those opportunities if they're offered to you at this point between, you know, election and, re- and reorg in January um, to learn those things. And that's one of the reasons I was suggesting looking at your website, reading the, um, you know, six months, nine months' worth of minutes, um, not as just an idle exercise, but really to gain an understanding of where the district is. Because once you're a board member, your view is much different than when you were sitting in the audience. And you will find that there are different things that you have to be responsible for. And thinking big picture, um, to Terry's point about being a board of directors, you have that oversight role over all areas of the district. And your obligation and responsibilities are for all children within your district, not one particular constituency or another, but for every child, for every staff member, um, for all of the
1: decisions in regard to the district,
0: Terry, you know, want to follow I, up on one thing? Oh, yeah, I just. A up couple,
1: on- Glenn had a lot of good points to make, um, but I think um, she and I both agree that the one thing that we see that um, is generally kind of an issue is everybody wants to wants things to happen right now. Like I want to get on the board and I want to make change and I want it to happen right away. And we can honestly tell you if you go in like that, it's really not going to work out the way you think it is. So she hit the nail on the head when she said, like, listen, just take some time, maybe more than a meeting or two, and just listen to trying to get to the lay of the land to find out exactly what is going on. Take your time. Be patient. You know, um, I came from the corporate world, so when I ended up being elected to the board, it was painful for me how slow (laughs) things were when it took off in the educational world. You know, because I was used to, hey, you know, we're going to make a decision, we're going to run this way, and this is the way we're going. It's not the same in education. And I understand why now. I didn't understand initially, but I understand why. You know, you're trying to steer an ocean liner. You know, there's teachers involved. There's kids involved. We just can't change midstream in the middle of the English curriculum and and take a left. So I would say take your time. Um, The other thing is, you know, you you may take a lot of trainings and you go, you know, look at things. Um, You read things and you come back to your board and you say, hey, I don't think we're doing this right. Or I think we should be doing it this way. A word of caution, your fellow board members have also been taking trainings. So don't think that, they're, um, that they've just been sitting there doing nothing and that they, you're the first one to come with great ideas. Um, even though they're great ideas, there might be a way that you can gradually uh, get those incorporated into the fabric of the district. So don't be in a great hurry Just decide what your major priorities are, and then figure out how to get those developed along the way.
0: Yeah, I would uh, just add one thing to that, too, because sometimes you want to change a policy or something. And if you come new to the board, it could be that a lot of those veteran board members voted for that policy. So you probably should ask them why we're doing it that way, Um, because they're probably the ones who supported it. Gwen, you mentioned onboarding. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit more into detail, but one other thing about that is, what happens if a district doesn't have an onboarding? You're a new board member. Is it okay to call a board member you know uh, or the board president, depending on the, the situation, to say, hey, is there a way I can talk to some people about my role coming up?
2: Absolutely, and they should do that. I mean, if, if the district is, doesn't currently offer that, um, it's something that you know, your board president should be able to assist you with, and if that's not a comfortable situation for you, certainly calling another board member. I would encourage you also to reach out to your field service representative, and we'll talk a little later about how you can find who your field service rep is, but we can also steer you um, to some resources on our website. There is an entire section devoted um, to new board members, that so has a lot of wonderful resources for you, including who does what in school board, uh, on school boards, um, parliamentary procedure. There's just a whole host of resources there. Um, basic school boardsmanship, um, again, things that you can read ahead of time, again, to better prepare. But to Terry's point, um, to avoid frustration, just recognizing that an education change is more evolution than revolution, and it does take <laughs> some time um, to make those changes. And I f- have found um, over the years that folks that come in, particularly from corporate America, who are not used to dealing with um, a teacher's association and perhaps other bargaining units, um, parents, students, uh, all, all of those stakeholders in the process, um, you're used to making a decision and making it happen overnight. It just doesn't... Education does not function in that fashion. And you will avoid frustration recognizing that
1: early on.
0: As you were talking about call, uh, talking to the board president or whoever, um, Terry, I'll switch to you. Not all elections are the same. You may have defeated a popular incumbent or at least popular among the current board member. may um, maybe you... Um, you know, you, you had it was a contentious race. How do you move from there? Uh, how do you stop the campaign and move on to governing?
1: Wow, that is a really good question. That's why I asked? Um, yeah. <laughs> so the first thing that I would say is, you know what? Be very gracious. Um, there are a lot of elections out there, especially this year, I think, that were contentious. Um, and sometimes you're up against some incumbents that have been there for a long time. Um, but now is not the time to gloat. You know, now is the time to sit there and reassure your fellow board members that, hey, you know, I mean, I'm in here to learn. I'm in here to work. Um, and I'm looking forward to working with all of you. Um, now is not the time to be a renegade. <laughs> Because, you know, we just got done talking about that as a renegade, you're not going to be able to get anything done. Um, You're only going to ruffle feathers and people will be like, "Uh oh, what do we do here? So, you know, be gracious. um, Be nice. um, And know that um, I think when you reach out to fellow board members, I don't know of anyone um, that has said, I'm not going to I'm not going to answer your questions. They're all very interested in helping you succeed, whether you think they are or not. You know, I think sometimes being the new kid on the block, like you get in there and you're like, oh, my gosh, they don't like me. I think, um, and Gwen will tell you, that's probably very far from the truth. The truth of the matter is they're just trying to, you know, to figure out how to get to know you. Um, you know, what you're looking forward to doing. Um, So the more open that you can be with them, I think the better it is all the way around. Um, I haven't heard of a superintendent yet that won't answer a board member's phone call. I haven't heard of a BA yet that won't answer a board member's phone call, or even a board president that won't answer a board member's phone call. So, you know, um, take your time, be gracious, um, and, and look forward to it. It's an exciting journey.
2: Uh, Ray, if I could just add something in that regard. I, Mm -hmm. I think it's really important. You've been elected. The election is over. And you have to move from campaigning to governing. They're dramatically different. So whatever you campaigned on, what you may have promised or said to the community that you are going to accomplish, in order to accomplish those things, you have to move from campaigning to governing. And that means putting aside any of the antagonism perhaps or negativity that may have taken place during an election and suspending all assumptions and, and perhaps perspectives that came from that election and understand that these are now your colleagues and that you have to work collaboratively with them. Um, and sometimes I know that that's difficult, but the board members who are most effective are able to look at it and say, it was an election, it may have been contentious, it's over and done. Um, to Ray's point, you may be replacing a beloved incumbent. Um, you may not be who the board might have preferred or some of the board may have preferred, but you're there You're and you're a full board member with all of the same rights and responsibilities and obligations that every board member has. And so it's important to try to foster a positive working relationship with all of them. And you can do that most easily by putting the election behind you.
0: Yes, excellent point. Because I, I the districts that I see that have some issues is the campaign never seems to be over. Uh, everyone still seems to be in campaign mode uh, all the time. Yes. Um, Terry, you mentioned uh, sometimes board members yourself included, come on with an agenda that's usually focused on one or two issues. Um, How do we get them to – how should they broaden their horizon a little bit, though? Because being a role of a board member, there's a lot of issues. There's not one or two. There's a lot. So how do they learn about maybe things that they haven't even thought about that are on maybe the other board member's agenda?
1: You know, I am sitting here chuckling to myself as we're talking about elections and agendas. And I can – this will probably be of no surprise to Gwen. But I can tell you that I was one of the radical board members that was elected to my board way back in I don't even know when. So my campaign was this. Hey, I'm going to get rid of all the Deadwood teachers. I am going to (laughs) single-handedly lower your property taxes. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm going to take a good, hard look at this superintendent. And if I don't think he's good enough, we're getting rid of him too. And I kid you not, that was my campaign. And they elected me. And I tried my hard, my hardest. <laughs> and I soon found out that that was not my role. You know, I, I could not sing. We didn't have a role in personnel. Board members don't do hiring. Board members don't do firing. Um That's up to the day-to-day operation of the district, which falls under the superintendent. You know, there are uh, laws in New Jersey that govern school finances. I had no idea what they were. So I very quickly, after I learned them, realized, okay, we're not going to be lower in taxes here anytime soon. Um, And we also had a tenured superintendent, uh, which uh, at this point in time really is moot because there aren't very many of them left. But after several meetings with him, I soon found out that he was excellent, he did a great job, um, and I was fortunate enough to work with him for 10 years. So how do you find out about that oversight role? Let's go back to what Glenn said. Start looking at the information that is available to you, not just on things that are happening in your district, but what does an oversight role look, look like. And there's a lot of resources on our website that can take you there who does what in public school governance, uh, fundamentals of boardsmanship. Those are all publications that are on our website. So make sure that you know what that is. Make sure that you know what the difference is between oversight and what you do in your role as a board member versus management, which is what the superintendent does on a day-to-day basis. And then once you kind of figure that out, Um, That will give you an idea of how you can say, okay, how do I make the changes that I want to see in, um, I guess, like the 30,000-foot view, and that's the view that you're looking at. Um, You know, you're not on the ground floor. You're not moving airplanes around, but you're actually up in the tower seeing what is done. Uh, So, Gwen, do you want to pick up there?
0: Can I just follow up with one, Go ahead, Ray. You mentioned understanding some other things. You mentioned before board goals and maybe a strategic plan. I'm not sure if all new board members know what the the board goals are and how it plays into all this, too.
2: Okay. Excuse me. So every district is charged, because the state does require it, to have specific goals specifically around, for example, student achievement. But many districts have goals around, it could be around facilities, it could be around negotiating a new contract with the association, any number of things that they want to accomplish in the course of a full year, a school year, and they generally run from September through June, and then the board will set new annual goals collaboratively with your superintendent because he's your CEO and he is the educational leader um, that you employ to assist you with identifying what are, should be the priorities that the district needs to focus on, um, whether it's academically, whether it's in terms of facilities, whether it's around budgeting and um, financing the educational process in your district, uh, whether it's around climate and culture to ensure that all students, you know, have equitable opportunities for resources and co-curricular programming. So once those goals are in place, that really drives the board's agenda for the year. It becomes the focus of what your committees do if you operate by a committee system or if you operate by committee as the whole where the whole board is one large committee. Um, that will drive your work and what you will be, will be your focus. Um, they're often, and they should be on your district website so you can go look at those. They also provide the basis for the annual evaluation of your superintendent. That is one of the ways that you provide oversight, is through the evaluation of the superintendent, which is in statute and required, um, and appropriate for the board to look at, you know, what has our progress been over the course of this year in achieving those goals, or making progress toward achieving those goals. Sometimes, depending upon the goal, it might be a multiple-year goal, um, but you will find that by reading through those materials that are available on your district website.
0: So for those board members who want to know how you hold a superintendent accountable, that it starts back with those, the goal setting.
2: It, it, it does start with your goal setting and moves forward. That becomes uh, Terry, the objective basis.
0: Okay. Um, Terry, just along those lines, so the conversations that we talked about before, would you talk to a board, maybe a couple board members about, why they set those goals, talk to the administration about it to get a perspective of why the district's moving in the direction they're moving?
1: Yeah, those are really good questions. You know, the why questions and, you know, what is the process that you use? Those are really good questions to ask um, in an oversight role. I think it's important to realize, too, though, you know, Gwen mentioned the goals and the evaluations, but board work is cyclical. So once you've been on there at least a full term, you'll start seeing then that at the same time every year, we're working on different things. So like Gwen said, we're going to set goals, let's say, in in, uh, July and August, and then those goals will carry through until the following June, and then we'll set more goals. The evaluation of the superintendent always takes place in like the April, May, June time frame. Um, other things that we work on, other things that we have responsibility for oversight on, the budget, that's always at the same time frame. So you'll see that board work is very cyclical. Um, And once you can get into the cycle, it all begins, I think, to make a whole lot more sense in your oversight responsibilities. The one thing that we didn't mention um, is one of the things that you should do is pull out the board's policy manual and look for the board's bylaws. Um, That will help you understand how your board operates, things on the agenda, who's the spokesperson for the board, uh, when meetings take place. Um, Those would be a good thing that I would probably read before I started uh, my term as a board member. Uh, You can pull those out of any district's website right now. So you can go to your district website, um, pull up their policy manual. Um, Depending on on who has written the policy manual, uh, you'll either find them in the 9000 series or the uh, 0 series. Uh, So if you look for them in either place there, you'll be able to identify them and figure out, okay, well, this is how the board is set up. It'll tell you about committees, how they're structured, um, and these are important things to know, I think, going into your um, your first term as a board member.
0: Um, now, both of you have been talking about asking questions, getting information. Um, from my perspective, and, Glenn, uh, I'll ask you this one, I think it's important how you ask the question, um, Absolutely. We don't want to play gotcha with, uh, and I, I guess I'm using a term that you and I and Terry use all the time. But explain the, the question, how to ask questions, uh, and, and I how think not Terry to ask was them, making,
2: Sure. And I think Terry made a very good point. It's about asking about process or the why. Why are we Why are we doing it in this fashion? Is there a particular rationale? Help me to understand. It depends on the words you use and the tone you take. I think you can ask anything you need to ask depending upon those two pieces. And so asking about process, asking about timelines, asking the why. Why do we do it in this fashion? Is there a particular set of parameters that we have to follow? Is it a mandate from, you know, the state? Is it a federal law? Um, why is it we do the things that we do and why are we doing it in this fashion? Um, I think, again, people are always happy to explain as long as they feel that they're providing information but that you're not attempting, um, again, I hate to use the slang, but it's very apt to say, I got gotcha. you. I- I'm going to nail you you know, for answering it in this way. I- I'm trying to get at you. Um, People are happy to be cooperative and collegial and and cooperative um, as long as they are treated with respect and civility. Um, And I think that that's something that there's probably, um, we could use a whole lot more of these days everywhere (laughs) in every part of life, but particularly in board service. Um, It goes a long way to helping you to understand um, and be more effective as a board member because you'll know what the history is and the rationale behind different things.
0: Good point. I I would probably add that the gotcha is a signal or a cue that the campaign is still being run. Um, Exactly. So both of you touched on the role of the board as oversight. I want to get a little bit more into the role of the board um, in the sense that I'm a new board member. Can I go into the buildings and – Take a look around. Maybe it's popping in on a few classes uh, just so, you know, I just want to know what's going on. And I want to see firsthand. How should I go about doing that? How about you, Terry?
1: So I'm going to go back to my original <laughs> policy <laughs> statement. Before, before you do anything, I think you want to read the board's bylaws. to find, And, and, and that will give you a really good idea of, okay, this is the, this is the lane that I need to stay in. Another document that I would probably say is really important is the code of ethics uh, because that really defines what your lane is as a board member. So oversight is one thing. Going in to look and see how things are done is something else. So if you want to go visit classrooms, I think you have to ask yourself the question, why do I want to do this? And Once you've asked yourself that question, if it's because you're truly interested, maybe you've never seen a smart board in action, or maybe you've never seen, you know, something else happen. That would be one thing. Hey, I'm curious. What does this thing do? But if you're there to see how a teacher is teaching, that's not going to do you a whole lot of good because you don't have that role in personnel, you know, you, your your actions in personnel are based on the recommendations from the superintendent. So you should only be looking at things where you have oversight responsibility, not day-to-day management. Um, we publish, I don't even know where it is on our website, uh, but we can make it, we can probably make it available. 13 things. Um board members wish the public knew about them is probably one of the greatest articles I think we ever published because as a new board member, that would be helpful to you to know that, no, you don't have keys to the building. You know, if you want to go into the building and see things, that's great. Call the superintendent and say, Hey, you know, can we make a walkthrough of the building? Uh, Maybe you have construction going on. You can call the superintendent and say, Hey, can I, you know, how can I view this? How does this work? Uh, so as a new board member, always ask those questions. How do I do this? Um, and everybody, I think, would be extremely happy to say, well, this is what we do and this is how we do it and this is why. I think, you know, Gwen, you touched on that. The important thing is the why. If you don't understand why things are taking place, then that creates kind of mistrust. So make sure that, you know, you get a good why.
0: Uh, Gwen, just to follow up on the personnel, uh, well, how, if I'm a new board member, uh, how do I know that we're hiring the best teachers or our evaluation process is right when the superintendent says we're renewing or non renewing a teacher? You know, okay. how do I know without going into this, the building
2: myself? Okay. So the board's role in personnel is probably the most limited in any area. The board does not. Able to hire anyone without the affirmative recommendation of the superintendent. And so, if you have questions about personnel, um, process questions are perfectly appropriate to ask, you know, um, why are we renewing this person? Why are we extending their contract? Um, What is unique about their skill set? Why are they a good match for our district? All of those, how were they evaluated? Um, The evaluation models are, again, that process, again, is incorporated into your policy manual um, so that you will be able to see what that looks like. But I wanted to just back up a moment um, to Terry's response um, to just sort of amplify that board members only have authority as a board member when you are seated at a duly advertised meeting of the board. So once you are that meeting, any meeting of the board is adjourned. When you go back out into the community, you are an ordinary citizen and you have no more rights to be in the school buildings than I would, even though I don't live in your community. Um, Part of that is safety and security for the students, but it's also recognition um, that you are not there to run those buildings. Um, I've never met a superintendent or a building principal who wasn't delighted to have a board member come in and observe a class, Um, particularly, let's say, for example, maybe your children are only in elementary and you want to see a middle school and a high school class in your district. You can set that up. Your superintendent can arrange for you to do that. And it may be because you just want to see what that looks like. And that's wonderful. Um, The staff will be delighted that you're there for that purpose. But you can't just wander around in the buildings. it's a safety issue, um, and you don't have a function in those buildings. You function as a board member at advertised meetings of the board of education. so it's not because you know people don't want you to see what's going on in the schools. again, principals and teachers are proud of what they do, and they are generally delighted that the board is interested enough. Um, we encourage and we would encourage all of you to go to all of those publicly available opportunities, whether it's a science fair, a music concert, a choral festival, um, whatever's football game, sporting events, whatever is going on in your district, being visible in your community is a good message for the Board of Education to send, um, but not to be um, in those school buildings in any other time other than those public events or If there's a reason for the board to be in the building, like a committee meeting, you're going to go tour a facility because you're contemplating, you know, doing some updating or some repairs to a building, and your facilities committee might do a tour together as a board with your um, facilities manager to look at that. But those are the kinds of reasons you would be in a building. You're typically not um, able to be in those buildings. Uh, Uh, Both both of, you
0: touched to clarify on, that. both of you touched on uh, the role of the board, and, Terry, you touched a little bit on the code of ethics. Um, and, but, Gwen, you said you're just like a regular bo- a member to the public when you're not at a board meeting. I will put one caveat in there, and this is in regards to personnel. Be careful. Well, you, you can't comment negatively – like, don't post on Facebook about school mm-hmm. – uh, in evaluative Absolutely. terms about school personnel. Um, That's a whole other other podcast,
2: Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I will say just really briefly, and Terry mentioned it, the code of ethics does say that you will support school personnel in the proper performance of their duties. So again, you know, you're required to abide by those um, guidelines in the code of ethics. And one of those is that you can't make evaluative comments about staff publicly. Um, Once you are sworn in, you certainly should not be posting about staff on or students on on social media, no matter what the platform,
1: or even speaking at a
0: board meeting in that term.
2: Yeah,
1: correct.
0: Yeah, so I just uh, so that's a little bit different, uh, Terry. You you brought it up, but just very briefly, um, they may not know about the code of ethics, uh, and that's kind of like the guidepost: what it is and um, how it was developed, or why they should follow it?
1: So um, the Code of Ethics is is actually part of the ethics statute in the state of New Jersey. Um, So it is in law. And it basically outlines, I guess, how do I want to say this the best way? It outlines uh, the, the behavior or the behaviors that board members should take. You know, like Gwen mentioned, um, the one statute, I will support the school personnel in the proper performance of their duties. Um, There's another one that says I will, um, together with my fellow board members, make sure that the district is well run. And I'm paraphrasing here. So there are, um, I think there's 11 tenants A to J, um, and you should familiarize yourself with all of them. You know, confidentiality is one. Uh, I will hold confidential uh, the matters that I am supposed to um, because those will let you know if you're stepping out of your lane. Um, I don't know how – I think they're on – I don't know if they're on our website or not, but we should probably make them available Uh, or put them in a place so that anybody listening to this podcast can find them because I think that is the one thing that board members, new board members, I think fail to understand that there are certain guidelines, and that's what these are, guidelines, that I need to operate under in order to be uh, an effective board member.
0: And, uh, uh, Gwen, do you have anything to add to that about the – I will. I well, don't think. you know, the, the, they were developed
2: the, originally through the delegate assembly, going back years and years, and then they were incorporated into statute. Um, school board members are the largest group of um, unpaid public officials who abide by a code of ethics. It's something that I think is uh, worth celebrating that mm-hmm. we, as a group, um, uh, abide by those. Uh, it includes our staff as well. Um, abide by those guidelines because they are the minimum standard of behavior to ensure that the public has trust and faith that the district is being well run and that the public's um, trust is not being violated because it lays out for example specific conflicts that you have to avoid again to maintain that public trust um, in terms of being transparent, um, but at the same time, meaning keeping confidential, for example, any kind of matters that could needlessly injure students, staff, or the district if they were to become disclosed. So oftentimes, um, you know, that is something I think that boards of education can celebrate um, as public officials, that that is something that they uh, live by um, because it models for, our communities, our students, and our staff, our commitment to transparency, um, to honesty, and to integrity.
0: And I would add they have to discuss this at a meeting. It's, oftentimes it is done at the reorganization meeting, but not always. So maybe uh, another area for them to ask questions is to ask a little bit more about that as they discuss it as a board.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think you're right. Most of them do um, I don't want to say that that's a blanket statement. A lot of them do cover the code of ethics at the reorg meeting, um, and if they don't, it might be a good time to say, "Hey, if you have a copy of these, I'd like to take a look at them."
0: Yeah, if it's not done at that one, it's usually done one of the next meetings, mm-hmm. at least from my experience. Um, but we'll see. Um, kind of shifting gears it, well, actually, it's connected is and we haven't talked about it conflicts of interest. Uh, it's kind of connected to ethics, but uh, what are, Terry, what's a conflict? Say I have a relative who works in the district. Uh, so if you have a relative
1: have that, yeah, if they work in the district, you're, you are con, what we call conflicted or you have a conflict in some specific areas. Uh, one would be in the, anything that has to do with the superintendent, whether it's their contract, whether it's the hiring of, whether it's uh, the search for a new superintendent, if you have a relative that works in the district, you are prohibited from uh, participating in those activities. Uh, as far as negotiations, um, there are certain, uh, and I'm not gonna go into them here, but there are certain you know, relatives that you may have um, that are actually uh, part of NJEA that may preclude you from participating in negotiations and that's something that if you find yourself in that situation you need to talk to your board attorney and say hey clarify this for me can i participate in negotiations or not um and i think there you need to be cognizant of uh, any types of relationships that you might have in a situation where if you're voting for that it could potentially make the You know, if the public is sitting there looking at it and going, wait a minute, uh, this doesn't sound right to me, or I don't think they can do that, that should certainly cause you pause. For example, you know, you're sitting on the board, and um, a contract comes before you, and your brother-in-law has uh, put in a contract for snow removal at the district. Well, you need to definitely recuse yourself from any discussion on that and voting on that. But these are things that, as a board member, you need to know what those conflicts are and what they're not. And your board attorney can help you with a lot of those.
0: Okay, that was going to be my follow-up question. Uh, Gwen, uh, Mm -hmm. she said relative. I mean, how far back do we go? Do I have to go to Ancestry.com? I mean, what –
2: You you don't have to quite go to Um, (laughs) Ancestry.com. But there are two different pieces of legislation that are impacted here. One has to do with the definition of relative in terms of nepotism, and one has to do with the definition of relative under the school ethics law. Um, the school ethics commission, which is the body that, and it's generally just called the SEC, um, is the body that adjudicates potential complaints and will issue advisory decisions. If you think you might have a conflict on a perspective level, you can reach out and get that Uh, information from the SEC ahead of time so that you can feel comfortable in discussing and voting on something that might be coming before the board that you think might be a potential problem. Um, This is something you would obviously discuss with your school board attorney, but those relatives, you know, go from your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your husband, your wife, um, or partner, um, but it also includes Um, stepchildren, adoptees, you know, there's a pretty broad definition around relative, and the SEC has sort of expanded that definition over time. So again, you know, um, most districts, because that CUSAC, New Jersey Quality Single Accountability Continuum, which is the monitoring process that the state does in every school district once every three years, um, does require boards of education to discuss the Code of Ethics. So you might do it at reorg, you might do it at another time. Oftentimes your board attorney will do that. Oftentimes one of us will come in and do that with the board and, and present that um, presentation for you, so that you have a fuller and completer understanding of what those, you know, guideposts are. Because our goal um, and your board attorney's goal is to never have you accidentally overstep um, and accidentally you know, make an error in voting on something or participating in a discussion on something where you may be ineligible to do so. Um so um that's how I would respond to that. All right. And just what's that one phrase we
1: use, Gwen? Hmm? That, what's that phrase we use? Anybody related to you by blood, marriage or adoption? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. That's the yeah. one.
0: Uh and you and then your relation uh if it's someone that's defined by your board attorney, and we should um, qualify that uh, every district has a board attorney who works for the Board of Ed, but they may not be able to call that board attorney as a new board member uh, the minute they're sworn in. There's usually, as to uh, Terry's point, there's a policy on that. Uh, But they should run all those. If they have any questions, they should make sure that it's run by their board attorney.
2: Right, and they certainly can say to their superintendent, or their board president, you know, I have a family member employed in this position in the district, or I have this relative, so that most attorneys are happy to weigh in, Um, and if a board member, most districts have policies that say, you know, not every board member should be calling the attorney um, because of the costs involved, Um, but you need to, in the beginning, at least get that clarification right up front um, as a new board member, and most boards will provide for that because they know it's important to have it ironed out at the beginning and i just want to emphasize uh
0: if you you do have that relative it affects your relationship what you can do in terms of uh the evaluation of the superintendent yes and uh if you're looking for a new superintendent
2: correct if you have Mm -hmm. a family member employed in your school district where you are sitting as a board member employed in any capacity, you are conflicted out of participating in evaluating the superintendent, setting terms and conditions of employment, renewal, or in engaging in any part of a superintendent search process if you need a new superintendent.
0: Okay, we're getting towards the end of our one hour of everything you need to know about being a board member, uh, uh, but we're afraid to ask. Um, So, Terry... (laughs) Uh, Let's look at this. um, Any last piece of advice to being an effective board member that we haven't touched on? Uh, Because as we were talking, things were popping in my head when you, you know, you just mentioned like this code of ethics and I'm like, well, yeah, we should, you know, dwell into that. Is there anything else that you think uh, maybe sometimes you see as a mistake that new board members make?
1: So I think we've, we've thrown a lot at, at everyone listening tonight, you know, Uh, different scenarios and certain things. But I I honestly want to tell you that, um, and Gwen will probably echo the same thing, one of the most rewarding things that I have ever done is served on a board of education. And had I not started working for New Jersey school boards, I think I would still be there today. That's how much I enjoyed it. Um, So I guess I can tell you uh, you're going to get a little bit frustrated at times, But sit back, take a deep breath, and think out those frustrations. You know, why am I frustrated? Is it lack of knowledge? You know, what do I need to do? How can I help alleviate this? Understand that change takes time and things aren't going to happen overnight. And um, really, uh, just enjoy the work that you do because it is important. And I'll tell you a quick story. When my kids were little, uh, I was on the Board of Education. And when my son was, I think, 20 years old, he was home from college one day. And I was anticipating taking this, taking this job with New Jersey school boards. And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm cut out for this or not. And you know what he said? He said, Mom, I have gotten a way better education um, than most of the kids that I am in college with. So I should probably turn around and say thank you. So thank you. And then he said, "You know, you'll be able to do this." And that was the best compliment uh, that I ever received. And I also, it also spoke to this is why I did it.
0: Terry, one,
2: I can't think of really any additional advice. Uh, and and Terry's right, um, enjoy this. It is very rewarding work. You will Mm -hmm. find that you will learn things about yourself and others Mm -hmm. and the educational program that you had no idea about. Um, What you are doing does make a difference in the lives of children. It is Mm -hmm. very, very valuable. Um, I, too, had I not taken this position, would still be on a board of education. Um, Some of my colleagues who have retired um, from our work at the association are back on their boards already. Um, yeah. because it is exciting and it is um, useful, but it's valuable. And it does make a, li- a difference in the lives of children. And I think there is nothing more important in to be done in this country than to ensure that we are educating the next generations of to be um, creative, critical thinkers, successful in their lives, um, contribute, give back to the communities that they live in. And so um, I think it can be frustrating. If you get frustrated, you can call one of us. we are here to help. We have probably had at least that experience at one point or another in our careers. Um, and we can assist you. Um, we hope and we believe in being effective and in perhaps reducing that you know that frustration.
0: Okay. Thank you. I have, I will chime in a couple of things. Uh, I think a lot of times uh, we adults focus on the other adults at the meetings. Uh, Make sure your conversations are focused on students and learning as opposed to what uh, your other colleagues are doing. Uh, And Gwen, I think you mentioned or Terry mentioned it, go to the graduation and all those other school events because it gives you a focus to why you're doing it. And if you want to be more effective, um, you don't necessarily have to call just Gwen or Terry. There's a whole oh, no. host of I field you. <laughs> service representatives yep. uh, who I think if you look outside your district can help you. And sometimes it's easier to talk to someone who is not within your district. So you can just basically have a conversation about what's going on in your district, get ideas. We have other, we have County School Board Association meetings. You can talk to colleagues from other districts um, that are close to you. NJSBA has training events. You can go to those training events and just talk to people from other districts. It, gives, it opens up the world about how things are being done, and I, I think take advantage of it. Um, so, you know what? I think we try to cover as much as we could in this amount of time, uh, and I, I do want to thank both Gwen uh, Thornton and uh, Terry Lewis. I've worked with them for, uh, well, 20 years, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> And we're all very young. if luckily, this is a podcast, you can't see us so uh I want to thank them, but actually reach out to them. Thank you, Gwen, thank you, Terry, and that brings us to end. and I hope you all found it useful.